and welcome to Unbreak Your Health, a podcast program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative therapies. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of Unbreak Your Health, the complete guide to complementary and alternative therapies. And today our topic is batch flower therapy, and our guest is Stefan Ball of the Batch Flower Center in Mount Vernon, England. Stefan is co-author of the Batch Flower Remedies for Animals and is the consultant at the center. He's also responsible for training and courses at the center, maintaining the Batch Foundation Register, and a list of registered practitioners along with the center's website. Most people in the United States pronounce the name like the composer, Bach, but that's not correct, is it? No, it's not. I mean, the actual family pronounced it as Bach, so they have a third pronunciation. But when Dr. Batch went down to London to study medicine, the other students all mispronounced it as Batch, and he never bothered to correct it. So he's always been known professionally as Dr. Batch. But because it looks so much like the, the Welsh word Bach and the name of the composer, I think most people probably pronounce it Bach. So Dr. Edward Batch studied medicine at the University College Hospital in London and was a house surgeon there. So along with being a bacteriologist and later a pathologist, he was quite a traditional doctor in the beginning, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He started off very much in the traditional way, you know, working with orthodox medicine. And uh, he was, you know, as you say, he held various positions in, in various hospitals. And he was also a workaholic. He was, you know, as well as his, his hospital positions, he also ran his own consulting rooms. And he did research work in his spare time. So he had his own laboratory and he was working on immunology, bacteriology, um, that kind of thing in the evenings as well. So, yeah, he had a very strong background in, in medicine and was quite well known at the time. He was diagnosed with cancer in 1917 and given just three months to live, but he was curing himself every day with his remedies for 19 years, wasn't he? Pretty much. When he had the diagnosis of cancer, this was in 1917, and he was working, it was the First World War, obviously, he was working in the hospital there looking after 400 war beds, so, you know, beds where soldiers from the front line were recovering. And he collapsed one day at work and was operated on for cancer, and the surgeon, as you say, told him he had three months to live. What he did was as soon as he felt stronger, he went straight back to work because he was a workaholic and you know, he thought, well, I've got all this research going on. Um, if I've only got three months, I'm going to try and get as far as I can with that. So it was that kind of sense of purpose that drove him back to work. And as the kind of three months came and went, he began to get stronger and he realized that you know, he was actually feeling better every day. And he outlived the prognosis by about 19 years. And yes, he felt very much that the sense of purpose, the sense of being on the correct path in his life, the sense of achieving something, that was what gave him the kind of strength to go on. And later on, when he started work with the flower remedies, that, that was the kind of thing he had in mind, that he would be helping people to reconnect with their inner self and, you know, get back to their path in life. He moved there to Mount Vernon in 1934 to be closer to nature, and his home is actually now the Batch Center, isn't it? That's right, yes. Based in the house where Dr. Batchelor lived the last two years of his life. Um, he left London actually in 1930, so he spent about four years traveling all over southern Britain, finding flowers and trying them out on patients. And then, as you say, in 1934, he moved to this house. Um, the reason was that up till then, he'd been traveling around so much, and as word got out about the remedies and people wanted to find him to ask for help, it was getting increasingly difficult to work out where he'd be. So he wanted a place where he could kind of settle down, where people would know how to find help, would be able to come to him, find remedies. And really, since he died in 1936, that's pretty much what we've been doing here ever since. Dr. Batch said to treat the person, not the disease, with his remedies. What does that mean? It means that we don't look at 
the actual physical symptoms. Um, if we're deciding a remedy for someone, we start by ignoring how that manifests on a physical level. What we're looking at is who the person is underneath um, and the kind of emotional state that the person is in. And it, you know, it's on the theory that if you're happy in yourself, if you're well-balanced as a personality, if you're well-balanced emotionally, if you're centered, um, your body has its own natural state of health. So we try to help people on that personal um, personality and emotional level and, and we believe that if you can sort that out the actual body will find its own state of health without the need for direct intervention necessarily. There are actually two methods used to make the essences. Aren't most of the more delicate flower essences prepared using the sun method? Yeah, the sun method is used mainly for those plants that are in flower in the high summer over here in England, um, which is quite a short period as you can imagine. And yet another set of remedies that are prepared using the method called the boiling method, which is probably less well known simply because it doesn't take such a nice photograph. Um, but the boiling method is used for those plants that are in flower later or earlier in the year when the sun isn't very strong. And they also tend to be plants that are, that are kind of woodier, so like the tree remedies are mainly boiling method remedies, that kind of thing. How do they actually function? When you say boil, is that literally what is done? Is that they boil them? Yeah, well, with the boiling method, yes, you, you basically take flowering parts of the tree or the bush or the plant, whatever it is you're doing. Um, so you're taking the flowers. If it's a tree, you're taking kind of six-inch lengths of the new twigs or the new growth is. Uh, and that's literally boiled up in water for half an hour. It's left to cool. And then the plant matter is all removed and the energized water is mixed with uh, brandy, uh, half and half. And that is the mother tincture. That's the active ingredient. And with the sun method, you're doing a similar sort of thing, except you're not boiling. You're simply taking the, the flowers off the plants you're, you're making. You, you float them in a bowl of water in sunlight for three hours. Uh, and then again, you mix the resulting water half and half with alcohol that gives you your mother tincture. So they're very simple methods. I mean, Dr. Batch's key word in all of this was simplicity. He wanted a system where you know, it was easy to make the remedies, it was easy to use them. There are only 38 even now, you know, 60 odd years after Dr. Batch died, we still only have the 38 remedies because that's enough to actually treat all the people who need help. Well, he started, I mean, he, he was, in his research labs, he was working on bacteriological disease and on immunology back in the 90, early 1920s. And what happened was he was offered the chance to go and take a job at the Royal London Homeopathic Hospital. Um, and of course, if you offer a workaholic a job, the chances are he's going to say yes. So off he went. Despite not being a homeopath, he went along and he became pathologist at the Royal London Homeopathic Hospital. Um, and he started reading up about homeopathy and he was struck by the similarity between the work he'd been doing with vaccine therapy and the idea of homeopathy, because in both you start with something that's associated with the disease and you use it to create a medicine that treats the disease. And he started looking for flowers and for plants um, really as, as a way of moving away from working with bacteria because some of his patients weren't overly happy about the idea of taking medicines made from bacteria that are grown in other people's gut. Um, and he wanted to find plants that would have similar effects. So that's kind of what started him off. So that really dates from the middle 1920s. Um, the first three remedies that end up in the final system of batch flower remedies were found in 1928. So that's when he found Impatiens, Mimulus, and Clematis, which were the first three. And from 1928 until 1934, when he moved into the batch center, he discovered a further 16 remedies. So by the time he moved 
into the house where I am now. He had 19, and then in the last two years before he died, he found a further 19. So the process of discovery kind of sped up quite a lot. The more he worked with plants and with flowers, the more he felt his intuition had grown and he knew more instinctively which plants to be looking at. I've heard that we can combine the 38 primary essences to deal with almost any condition. How many total combinations are possible? Well, there's something like 293 million. I did the maths ones. There are 38 remedies, but there's also um, a 39th remedy, which is the emergency combination. It's best known under the trade name, rescue remedy. Um, if you take it as 39 remedies, and if you take nine as the kind of maximum possible number, because we know Dr. Batch twice gave nine remedies to one person at a time, um, you end up with something like 293 million. So it's a huge number, and it means that, you know, although you've only got 38 base remedies, you have an extremely flexible system. It's a bit like combining primary colors. You know, you can start off with just three primary colors, and you can make every color you can see. And with the remedies, you have just 38 base emotions, but if you combine them, you end up with millions and millions of possible different mental states. You mentioned rescue remedy, and I know that that's the only combination remedy. I heard that when Dr. Batch tried to put all of his remedies together into one single remedy, it didn't work at all, did it? Yeah, that's right. Um, it was a suggestion made at the time. Um, uh, there was a guy called uh, Dr. Max Wolf who suggested this to Dr. Batch, and he did actually try it, you know, because if we could do that, it would make life even easier. But it doesn't work. Um, the remedies seem to work. There is some kind of energy um, in the plant itself, which is transmitted to the water when you make the remedy. And it works, and the, the best way to understand it is by thinking of it as a piece of music, like an, an instrument playing a melody. And you need to be able to hear that message. If you put all the remedies together, it's a bit like inviting, you know, 38 different guitarists around your house, and they all play something different, and you're trying to pick out a particular tune. It becomes very, very difficult, and it doesn't actually help people. So, as you say, Rescue Remedy is the only um, combination that we approve, and it's the only combination Dr. Batch actually approved, because um, it's, the idea is that it's there if you need help in an emergency. You haven't got time to think how you actually feel you just know you're in a crisis, so you reach for your rescue remedy. But beyond that, you're really supposed to try to be more specific and come up with a personal mix that kind of matches you individually and how you individually feel at this moment. That's how you get the best results. Listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you'll love my new book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies. It features a new user-friendly format and 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. And you can get it on Amazon.com or at your local bookstore. How are we supposed to take the remedies? Well, they're all liquids, and the easiest way to take them is just to put uh, two drops of any remedy you've decided you need, or any you know, if you need three remedies, two drops of each of the three remedies, into a glass of water, and you just sip from that as often as you need to, but at least four times a day if it's an ongoing situation. Um, you, there's another way to take them, which is more economical, because you'll lose less remedy, and that's to get hold of a one-ounce or a 30-mil dropper bottle. You can usually find these at a pharmacist. It's just like a little glass bottle with a dropper built into the, into the lid. Um, you put two drops of each remedy in that, top it up with clear spring water, and from that bottle you take four drops at least four times a day or more often if you need to. Unlike many prescription drugs today, taking larger doses at one time of the remedies doesn't have a stronger effect, does it? 
That's correct. You know, if I go back to my analogy about the listening to the musical instruments, if you can hear a melody, it doesn't matter how loud it is. The same with the remedies. If you are taking enough to get the message, if you like, it will work just as well. And taking more, taking increased number, you know, increased size of dose doesn't make any difference. The way to get over a crisis, rather than take a whole lot of remedy in one go, is just to take the doses more frequently. So if you like, you're getting the message more frequently, and that way you'll hear it better. But you don't need to take more. The essences really aren't homeopathic, are they? They are um, licensed under homeopathic re- regulations. I believe that's true in the States, certainly in some other countries. Um, they are licensed as homeopathic medicines, but that's really because you, you have to be licensed somewhere or other in order to be able to be sold. They share um, a, lot of, a lot of similarities with homeopathy, and Dr. Batch was influenced by homeopathy. The differences are, are even more profound in a way. First of all, with homeopathy, you do select remedies based on physical symptoms as well as emotional states. With the batch remedies, you only look at emotional states. And probably the most cu- crucial difference is that with homeopathy, you start off with a, with a substance that causes a symptom, and you reverse the effect by the way you prepare the remedy. Um, with the batch remedies, um, you know, taking lots of vine, for example, won't put you into a vine state. Um, taking lots of impatience won't make you impatient. Um, so you don't have that same kind of reversed effect. In fact, the, the flowers, we believe, are wholly positive in their effect all the way through, which is why you, know, you, you can't overdose on them. Um, you won't put yourself into a negative state by taking too much of a remedy or anything like that. How do we choose which essence is right for us? Well, the thing to do is to start with where you are now. So rather than try to do a kind of an in-depth analysis right off the bat and say, you know, who am I underneath all this stuff? What you do is you start with how you feel right at this very moment. So if you're feeling anxious about something, if you're feeling impatient or if you're feeling intolerant, whatever it might be, you just start with where you are now and you select the remedies that apply to that particular emotion. Because there's only 38, it doesn't take too long just to work your way down the list. And if you do it that way, you can fairly easily cut down the number you need to a maximum of six or seven. Um, sometimes people look at the list and they're kind of, you know, oh, I need all of those, uh, which is a kind of fairly typical response. But often what people are doing is they're looking at the list and they're thinking, oh, yes, well, last Tuesday I was like that, and then last year I was like this, and then this would have applied yesterday. So forget all that stuff. Just look at how you feel right this very minute. Um, and if you do it like, like that, you should be able to cut down the list. You take the remedies for a period, and you'll find that initial emotional state will melt away and if there are other deeper layers that you need to sort out that will become more visible to you as you kind of go on with the therapy. How long should we take a particular remedy? We find that three weeks is enough to you know, to shift things even in quite quite kind of ingrained situations. If you take a good selection of remedies for three weeks you should see some shift. It may be that there'll be other emotions coming to the fore so that's a kind of rule of thumb. But some people respond very quickly. It, you know, it, could, it could literally be the same day. And obviously, for things like rescue remedy, which are crisis remedies, they, they tend to work very quickly. Can you give us a few examples of the essences? Sure. Let's think. We have uh, vervain would be a good one. Vervain is the remedy which is for people who are great enthusiasts who get kind of so into their activities and into their beliefs that they begin to try to persuade everyone around them to think the same way they do. They, they love to kind of organize other people and get into committees and that kind of thing. 
And if you know, so that those are quite positive uh, aspects of the personality. But once that sort of person goes out of balance, they may become slightly fanatical. They may find it difficult to hear other points of view. They may actually drive themselves so hard that they kind of, you know, they they kind of run out of steam, run out of energy, and kind of burn out. So those are all the negative sides to the Vervain person. So that's a remedy we would suggest for someone like that. Um, Mimulus will be a remedy for uh, what we call known fears. So if you're anxious about something specific uh, or fearful about something specific, then Mimulus would be a good remedy for, for someone in that state. And it also applies to people who tend to be shy and timid and don't like public speaking, that kind of thing. How do people learn to become professional practitioners of the bachelor therapy? Well, I would recommend, as you might expect, that they start by going to the Batch Center's website, uh, which is www.batchcenter.com. Center spelled the English way, R-E, not E-R. Um, but if you go there, um, you'll find that there are courses all over the world, including the U.S., and we have courses running in three levels. There's a level one, level two, and level three. And once you complete a level three course, then you can, you can join the Batch Center's register uh, we have around 2,000 practitioners around the world, um, and they're all people who are trained to use Dr. Batch's methods. So we all try to keep the thing very simple. We all feel that we're acting more as teachers than as therapists because it is a self-help method. It is something anyone can learn to use. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's where I would recommend people start. You co-wrote Batch Flower Remedies for Animals with Judy Ramsell Howard of the Batch Center. How are they different than the Essences for People? Well, it's the same remedies. The remedies themselves are exactly the same. What we tried to do in the book was to give people better clues on how they might select remedies for animals. So the problem with using the remedies with animals is not in actually applying the remedies. It's in working out in the first place what emotions are actually being expressed by, you know, by non-humans. I mean, obviously, if you're sitting down with a, with a, you know, a friend or a relative and you want to select remedies for them, you start by saying, how do you feel? And, and your friend or relative will talk you through how they feel, and, and it's quite simple. If you're faced with a dog that's behaving in an odd way, um, it's more difficult because it's not immediately apparent to us what the animal might need. So what we recommend is that people try to kind of, as far as possible, try to take into account the animal's actual situation and its natural way of living. So uh, let me give you a specific example. If you think of a horse that's kept in a stable, um, now to us as humans, because we are basically predators and you know, the way we've evolved, to us uh, an enclosed area is, is a safe area. It's a place we can defend. Um, it's a place we can retreat to. So we put a horse into a stable feeling that that's going to be a safe environment for the horse. But to a horse, it doesn't feel like that at all, because if you think of how a horse lives in the wild, um, it has eyes each side of its head. That's so it can see all round it to the horizon. You know, the, the horses tend to live in open uh, spaces where they can see a long way. And the reason for that is they, they need to see if a predator's coming. And if a predator is coming, the defense mechanism they have is that they can run away very quickly. So when you put a horse into a situation where it can't see further than five feet away, and where if it does see someone coming towards it, it can't run away, that's not a safe environment for the horse. It feels like a very threatening environment. And so one of the problems people find with horses in stables, which um, I don't know if it's true in the States, but in the UK, they're often called vices. So you might have a horse who the rocks in the stable or bites the, the window surround or whatever it might be. Um, 
those are described as vices, um, but in fact they're symptoms of fear. They're symptoms of kind of displacement activities. So once you can kind of see the thing from the horse's point of view, you begin to get a better idea of which remedies might apply. Stefan, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk with me about batch flower therapy. Anyone wanting to learn more about batch flower therapy should check out the center's website at www.batchcenter.com. You've been listening to the podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'll be back again next week with another edition, but to learn more about our guest today, please visit the podcast page at www.unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this program. Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. This program is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon.